Today's text is one of the most familiar Bible passages that we can think of. John chapter 3, verse 16, which reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Dear friends, I remember this as if it were only yesterday. My son, my youngest son, Andrew, four years old at the time, climbed into the family minivan with a crumpled artwork in one hand and a Power Rangers backpack dangling from the other. Daddy, he said, I learned a new song at school today. Want to hear it? Sure, I said, let's hear it. And so, without any fear of forgetting the lyrics or missing the notes, my son began to sing, I love you a bushel and a peck, a bushel and a peck, and a hug around the neck. And that song ended with my four-year-old giving me a peck on the cheek and a hug around the neck. If you asked Andrew today, now 28 years old, about this preschool incident, he would likely say, nah, that never happened. Dad is losing his memory as fast as he's losing his hair. But it did happen. I could never forget such a precious memory. I love you a bushel and a peck and a hug around the neck. Scripture is overflowing with expressions of God's love for us. Jeremiah 31 verse 3, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Or Psalm 103 verse 4, he crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Or 1 John 4 verse 8, he who does not love does not know God because God is love. And yet, what does God mean when he says, I love you? What kind of love is God's love? While the answer is given from Genesis to Revelation, surely nowhere is it more simply or beautifully stated than in John 3.16, for God so loved the world. When you and I hear that verse, God so loved the world, often we immediately equate so loved with so much. God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son, and that's certainly true. But that verse can also be translated in this way, God so loved the world. In other words, John 3.16 is not only about the extent of God's great love, but the characteristics of God's great love. And what are those characteristics? Ancient Greek had several different words for love. For example, the word phyllis was friendship love, eris was romantic love, storge was kindly affection love, the kind of love that you might have for an old sofa or old pair of shoes. But the word that is used in John 3.16 for love is agape. And agape is the highest form of love. Agape is a complete love, not lacking in any area or resource. And agape is a determined love, incapable of giving up or letting go. Agape is a sacrificial love, willing to extend itself in service to others. Agape is purposeful love, always focused on true need and not temporary want. This love is so amazing 
that that word is used in John chapter 14 to describe the love that exists between God the Son and God the Father. This is God's great love for you. This is God's love for the world. Someone once said that agape love is that kind of love that takes into account everything that is wrong with someone and can go on loving them anyway. What kind of love is this love of God? Well, first, God's love is unconditional love. And by that, I simply mean it is not conditioned on the worthiness or unworthiness of its object. The reason for God's love lies in himself and not in us. Jesus said, God so loved the world, and the Greek word used there is cosmos, and that word contains all the glamour and glitter and worldliness and self-interest of our word cosmopolitan. What kind of world did God love? God loved a lost and condemned world. God loved a world that was undeserving. God loved a world that hated him. According to Paul in Romans chapter 1, God loved a world that was filled with unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, envy, murder, strife, deceit, backbiters, God-haters. That's the kind of world God loved. A world that also failed to recognize that long-promised Messiah, just as John wrote in the beginning of his gospel, he was in the world referring to Jesus. And though the world was made through him, talk about irony, though the world was made by him, the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. And yet the gospel announces this great news, still God so loved the world. This lost, sinful, undeserving world, you and me and everyone else in it. Is this the kind of course that we would take? Absolutely not. We switch phone companies over poor cell coverage. We give up on people who fail to meet our expectations. We stop patronizing restaurants when the food is cold and the service is slow. But God loved a world who could offer him nothing in return. Human love often looks for a reason to love in its object. For example, someone might say, well, I love her because she's so attentive to my needs. And someone might say, I love him because he's so handsome. If that's the only reason, will you still love him when he's old and wrinkled and his hair falls out? By contrast, God loves for his own sake. And can you think of anything that's more comforting than that? Can you see why all the despised and rejected, the outcasts, the misfits, the nobodies, the unwanted, the notorious sinners were so overjoyed when Jesus told them about God's undeserved love and grace? Because that meant that being saved had nothing to do with who they were, what they owned, what they did but simply relying upon God's mercy in Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Second, God's love is a love of commitment and action. God so loved the world that what? He acted, he gave. What did he give? The very best that he had to give. 
Today, there are many churches that are eager to talk about God's love, but they are very reluctant to talk about Christ's sacrifice. God loves you, they say, oh, God loves you, and yet they fail to realize that the only way to truly understand the extent of God's love is by the enormity of Christ's sacrifice. And so John wrote in his first epistle, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Does God say, I love you? Of course he does, countless times in scripture. But God was not content with mere talk. He proved his love in a way that was intended to eliminate all doubt and all worries and all fears. He gave his one and only son and he gave him not grudgingly, not hesitantly, but completely and irrevocably. When God sacrificed Jesus, who gave his all, he was saying to each one of us, you might feel alone, but I'm always with you. You might feel lost, but I have redeemed you. You might feel unwanted and unloved, but my dear child, no one could love you or want you more than I do. And if you want the proof, look at the cross. Look at the cross where I sacrificed my son to save you from your sins. In that cross, God revealed in that love the question that Paul asked and answered in Romans chapter 8. Paul said, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And third and lastly, God's love is an eternal love. Have there not been times in your life when you've thought to yourself, how can God go on loving me? He's already given me so much. And I've always accepted what he's given me in such a way that at times I've turned my back on him and walked away from him until I needed him again. How can he go on loving me? Or in the words of the apostle, Oh, what a wretched man I am who will deliver me from this body of death. And the answer is, thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. God's love for you is eternal. God's love for you never changes. God's love for you can never run out. And this is especially important to remember when you're going through hard times and difficulties. Those times when we're tempted to think, well, if God still loved me as much as he used to, I wouldn't be having these problems. But when you think those things, you couldn't be more wrong. God isn't for you one day and against you the next day. God doesn't love you on Tuesday and not love you on Wednesday. God loves you every day the same. He loves you in the good times, but he's still loving you in the bad times. These are the characteristics of God's great love, an unconditional love that is based on who he is and not who we are, a committed love that is not talk but action, an eternal love that is not governed by restrictions but is offered to us without limitations. And so we say with the hymnist, were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a tribute far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all.
Amen. Our hymn this morning is number 245, stanzas 1 and 6, 245, 1 and 6. <laughs> 